morning, everyone. It's so good to be here today. I just loved uh, the opening song this morning and it actually stole some of the points from my message. So thank you to the worship team um, for doing some of my job for me. Um, So those of you who don't know me, I am Danielle. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Unlimited Church and today I do get to talk about freedom. So I didn't get to do my own minute to mingle. I did tell one story to Adam down there. But I'm going to share two quick stories um, that will tie into what I want to share today. So when our daughter was less than two years old, we were staying at my parents' house for a year or so. And it was a very secure house. It had locks on every door and every window. It was a fairly new house. Uh, We lived in an older house, so it didn't have locks on anything, hardly at all. Um, But we went out, I went out one day to hang out the washing and my daughter was inside the house and she closed the sliding door and pulled down on the handle. I don't know if any of you have those doors that lock by pulling down like that rather than twisting something, but she pulled down on the handle and it locked the door. At first she thought this was a great game because mummy was on the outside of the door and she was on the inside. But after a while, it became evident that she wasn't strong enough to push the handle back up again. And every other access to the house was locked. I couldn't get in and she couldn't get out. In the end, I had to call the fire brigade. They had to come and climb onto the roof of our house and in through the manhole. So, you know, mental note, if ever you have children locked in a house, try the manhole and the roof. Um, And she was very relieved to be free and back in my arms again. Now, you're probably going to think I'm the worst mother in the world, but within the space of a few weeks, I then locked her inside a car. Um, We had a courtesy car while our own car was being serviced, and so I pressed the button to unlock the car. I opened the back door to put my daughter into her car seat, And as I usually did, I dropped the keys over onto the driver's seat so that I didn't put them down somewhere and forget them. And while I was locking into the seat, not locking into the seat, putting her in her seatbelt, I heard this click noise, but I didn't really think anything of it. And after I closed the passenger door, I discovered that I couldn't get into the car. I didn't know that these more modern cars automatically relocked themselves if you didn't open the driver's door within a certain amount of time. So there was my less than two-year-old tightly strapped into her car seat and my keys sitting in clear view on the driver's seat. And you probably guessed it, another phone call to an emergency service, the NRMA this time, to give my daughter back her freedom. Uh, I can happily tell you she survived her childhood and she is now 21 years old. So if there's hope for me, there's hope for you if you're a parent of a young child. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this concept of freedom. What is it? Why do we need it? And how do we live out a life of freedom? So what does the world say that freedom is? Concepts like freedom of speech, freedom of choice and freedom of religion are certainly hot topics in our society and they are continually being challenged and redefined. Many people would say that freedom is the ability to say or do things without being restrained or controlled by other people or by our circumstances. Freedom is also the opposite of being imprisoned. 
Now, if we believe these definitions of freedom are meant to lead to peace and happiness, why is it that so many people feel burdened with guilt and shame, loaded up with expectations and responsibilities, weighed down with sadness or gripped by fear and anxiety? We can look free on the outside. Most of us in this room would think that we're all free, happy people. But are we actually free on the inside? The reality is that there is far more to freedom than just living in a safe environment or a safe country. There may be people in this room who have moved to Australia or people who are watching us online who have come here to escape from political, military or religious restrictions on your freedom of speech, thought or actions in another country. Despite living in Australia, a country that most people would consider to be free, I'm sure that everyone in this room can think of times when you haven't felt free to say or do whatever you like. And that's why we need to see freedom, not just the way the world sees it, but from God's perspective. If we look at the Apostle Paul, he was beaten, stoned, whipped, shipwrecked and put in chains. He was imprisoned several times and yet during that time, despite everything he'd been through and his current situation of being in prison, he wrote letters of encouragement to different churches. In fact, his letter to the Philippians is known by some people as the happiness letter. It offers us hope that there's something that's greater than our hardship and it shows us that it's possible to live in a state of internal freedom, even and also joy despite our external restrictions or the challenges we might be going through. Before we get to looking at what freedom is, I thought it would be helpful to highlight some misconceptions about biblical freedom. Now, some people believe that we can go through, sorry, some people believe that we, now I've lost my train of thought. Um, Some people believe that we can throw off the restraints of the laws of the Old Testament because we are saved by grace. People say we don't need to worry about those commandments and those laws anymore because of what Jesus has done. There are also those who do whatever they want during the week, thinking that they can go to church on Sunday, confess their sins and walk out with a clean slate just to go and do the same things over and over again. This perspective doesn't acknowledge the consequences of our actions. And I suggest that God's grace needs to be given more credit and respect than that. Some people think that they will have a greater freedom if they don't believe that God exists at all. And they don't have to live by the guidelines that he sets if he doesn't exist. We can think that ignoring God or downplaying the significance of sin or his commandments gives us permission to think say or do whatever we like but it's a false sense of freedom because we can become slaves to other things whether we believe in God or not. If we look at what a slave is, it is a person who is strongly influenced and controlled by something. It doesn't have to be a person, it can be a thing, not just another person. We can become slaves to peer pressure We can be strongly influenced and controlled by social media or our friends. How much time do we spend worrying about how we look and how we act, whether we're being liked or accepted, whether we fit in or not? We can become slaves to money and power. 
We can be driven to the point that our work and our finances control us and we no longer know how to create a healthy balance between our work and our personal time. Addiction is a polite way of saying that we are enslaved. Yes, we have free choice. The world would say we can walk out these doors today and we are free to drink, to excess. We're free to take drugs. We're free to sleep with whoever we want to or watch pornography. Okay, we have the freedom to do those things. We may be lying to our family or our partner, cheating on our tax returns or stealing from our workplace. And we might be getting away with it. But what is going on in our souls? What is going on in your mind, in your will, in your emotions? Are these addictive behaviours strongly influencing and controlling our lives in ways that are helpful or harmful? And what are they doing to our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with others? Freedom isn't just about thinking, saying and doing whatever we like. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Either build up us, ourselves, or build up other people around us. How many people are hurt, including ourselves, out of our desire to say or do whatever we want? How often do we hear people say, I'm entitled to my opinion? to justify comments that are hurtful or offensive to others. How often do we hear people say, it's my money, it's my body, it's my right, to justify our choices and decisions without considering how those decisions might impact on others or on ourselves. As my parents used to say, and maybe you know this same um, thing, your parents might have said the same to you, when my sister and I used to muck around and you know, be a bit silly, um, they would say, it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. I'm sure there's other variations of that. It's all fun and games when we get to do things the way we want to do it, when we want and how we want, until all of a sudden we get hurt or someone else gets hurt. We've been lured into this false sense of freedom. Just because we are free to do something, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily good for us or for anyone else. But the good news is that if we believe in Jesus and if we've been baptised, we no longer need to be a slave to sin. Sin doesn't have to influence and control our life if we stand in the authority that's been given to us through Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen automatically. Remember, there's an if there. We do, it doesn't have to influence and control us if we stand in the authority that's been given to us through Jesus. In Romans 6, Paul says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. If you haven't yet been baptised, I encourage you to consider 
this is an important step that you can take in declaring your faith and moving towards greater freedom in your life. We have a water baptism coming up in November, so you can look for the details of that on the church website or talk to one of the team up at the Next Steps table at the back after the service. So what is real freedom? Freedom doesn't mean the absence of restraints or moral absolutes. We tend to think that freedom is when we have no limits, no boundaries and no one telling us we can't. Imagine if a skydiver got up to 10,000 feet and announced to the other the, the jumpers, guys, I'm not going to use a parachute today. I want to be completely free. The truth is that even if the skydiver did jump out of the plane without a parachute, there is a greater law, the law of gravity. And this will dictate what happens next. What not what he decides he wants to do, but what gravity decides will happen next. But if that skydiver chooses to use the restraint of the parachute, they are free to enjoy the exhilaration of the skydive. God's moral laws act in the same way for us. They do set boundaries for the way that we should live. And a lot of people don't like to have to look at what those boundaries might be. But these guidelines are absolutely necessary if we want to enjoy the exhilaration of real freedom. True freedom is when we walk in relationship with our Heavenly Father and allow the Holy Spirit to guide our steps. And as our song went this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Henrietta Mears was a Christian educator back in the early 1900s and she gave a beautiful description of the kind of freedom we should experience as believers. She said, A bird is free in the air, but put it under water and it has lost its freedom. A fish is free in the water, but put it on the sand and it perishes. A Christian is free when he does the will of God. And obeys the Spirit. This is the natural environment for the child of God, just as water is to a fish or air is to a bird. God doesn't want us to live a life filled with things like guilt, shame, fear, anxiety, or anger. If this is your experience, If this is how you're walking through life, you're not experiencing the freedom that God has available for you. So often we fall into the trap of thinking that we must be a certain way before we're going to be acceptable to God, that we're not free to come just as we are. But Paul wrote a letter to the Galatians for this very reason, to remind them that they were no longer bound by the old laws. The religious leaders were trying to force the Gentiles to be circumcised according to the Mosaic law before they could become Christians. But in Galatians 5, Paul writes, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. I am emphatic about this. The moment any of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. 
I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ and you have fallen out of grace. Now, does this mean that we do away with all of the Old Testament laws that were written in order to be free? No, I would say definitely not. The moral, civil and ceremonial laws were originally written for ancient Israel, but there is so much wisdom within those laws that I just encourage you to find their truth and value in our modern world. I'm not saying that every single one of those needs to be followed to the T, but there is a whole lot of wisdom in there that we can take. Our goal shouldn't be, "Hmm, what can I do that doesn't cross the line? If we approach God's laws and commandments in this way, we're usually looking for ways to negotiate, compromise or get around them. And we can miss the wisdom that they offer that is really valuable for living a godly life and a life of good relationships. Instead, our goal should be, how can I bring the most honour to God? This perspective makes it easier to set boundaries and protect ourselves from potential hurt later on. And ultimately, the laws point us to the greatest commandments of all. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. If we're going to live free of legalism, we need to accept people where they are and give them time to grow in their relationship with God and come to know his heart and his ways. And just as we do that for other people, we need to apply the same thing to ourselves and our faith journey. Never be too hard on yourself. Never think that you've got to sort things out before you come to God. Come to him just the way you are. In Lamentations 3, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Keep that in mind when you think, can I come to God with this? His love is always there for you. His mercies are there at all times. Despite knowing that we have been offered this gift of freedom, we so often leave it sitting on the shelf and we don't think that we deserve it. We can be a Christian our whole life and never walk in freedom because we choose to hold on to things rather than give them over to God. That anger we don't want to get let go of, that forgiveness we don't want to extend. Billy Graham, the famous evangelist, once said, God created human beings, not robots. We don't have to accept the freedom he offers us through Jesus Christ. He gives each person the free will to accept or reject his salvation. Likewise, those who choose Christ are not forced to obey him at every turn. But God makes it very clear, the best life is the one that's devoted to honouring him. Now, some of you may remember the show The Biggest Loser, where the participants faced the challenge of losing a significant amount of weight through a change of diet and some pretty intense exercise. 
Whether you like the show or really couldn't stand it or have never heard of it before, I just want to take a moment to focus on the last week where they tallied up the amount of weight each contestant had lost. And it could have been anywhere from 30 kilos to I think there was one gentleman who lost 100 kilos during the challenge. Then they put an equivalent amount of weight into a backpack for them to carry on a long hike. The emotion that those contestants experienced when they felt that weight go back on their back was dramatic. They couldn't imagine how they'd been carrying that weight for so many years and hadn't done anything or been able to do anything about it until now. Just like these contestants, we can carry burdens for years. We kind of get used to them being there. They become part of who we are and how we go about life. We sometimes don't believe it's possible to get rid of the burden and sometimes we can't actually imagine what our life would be like without it. We need to make a choice. We need to choose the path of freedom and actively give the Holy Spirit control of the areas of our life that we are struggling with. Psalm 119 verse 45 says, I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments. I love the way it's put in the message translation. It says, I'll stride freely through wide open spaces as I look for your truth and your wisdom. I don't know about you, but my husband knows that when life gets a bit chaotic and stressful, my happy place is finding a wide open space, like a quiet beach or a peaceful creek where the pressures of life fade away and the presence of God is so evident. It gives time and space to breathe. I love this idea of breathing. Sometimes I forget to do it. And it gives time to get back to his truth and his wisdom. Just like the birds and the fish have an environment that's intended for them, God wants us to get to a place where we experience the true liberating freedom that he has to offer. If you don't already have a happy place like I've just described that allows you to step away from the busyness of the everyday, I encourage you to find a time or a place to do this. Devote yourself to God's commandments. Look for his truth and his wisdom. And as you do, you will start to experience the peace and the joy of real freedom. Can I ask the musicians please to come up? So how do we know if we are living a life led by the Spirit? Galatians 5 tells us what the fruit should be. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This passage tells us that if we're already a believer, our fleshly passions and desires were crucified with Christ. But it also says we need to keep in step with the Spirit. So there's an ongoing process of choosing to live by the Spirit and choosing 
to walk with him in order to see this fruit in our life. But John 10.10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. How many of us think that something has been stolen from us? How many of us think there's something that's died on the inside or that something has been destroyed in our lives? But the second part of this verse says, My purpose, God's purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. If you need help stepping into a place of freedom, I really encourage you to register for the Freedom Course next term. It's starting in the second week of the term and it just provides the time and space to discover God's plan for you to be free. For some people here today, you might be at the stage of having to face areas of legalism or addiction in your own life. Just like our two-year-old daughter in my opening story, she pulled down the handle on that sliding door without realising the consequences. You may have done things in your life, either on purpose, possibly it was just a poor choice, or maybe you just weren't even thinking and you don't realise the impact it would have on your life or on others. It might have been a decision to take drugs or give in to peer pressure. Maybe you allowed anger to take over a situation and there were some serious consequences. It could have been a choice to engage in sexual activities either online or in person with one, several or many people outside of God's design of marriage. It could be that you started down a path of lies and deception that's caused you to be anxious because you're never quite sure when someone might find out the truth. Or you may have chosen to dabble in spiritual activities like seances, tarot cards, witchcraft, that have spoken things over your life or invited things into your life that are causing you to live in a place of fear. At the time, you probably didn't realise how much it was going to impact your life. But looking back now, you can see how it's had an effect on your physical body, on your mind, on your emotions or on your relationships. Just like our daughter didn't have the strength to get herself out of her situation, you may be feeling that your burden is too heavy and you can't get to a place of freedom by yourself. But Jesus says, In Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. For others in the room right now or watching online, you may relate to the second story that I told. At times we are put into a situation that's completely out of our control, just like our daughter when she was strapped into the car seat inside a locked car. She didn't put herself into that situation and she couldn't get herself out of it. You may have had things happen throughout your life that were completely out of your control. It may be something that seems to be a pattern in your family from generation to generation. The same things just keep repeating themselves. Or it may be that you've experienced abusive behaviours. 
you might know that what it feels like to stop thinking, feeling, saying or doing things because you're afraid of negative repercussions. And the same intimidation continues for you today. It can leave you feeling rejection, anger or sadness and you just can't seem to shake free from it. In John 8.36, Jesus says, If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. It means that when Jesus sets you free, you are truly free. It's a statement of victory and freedom from sin, shame and guilt. It means that you don't have to carry the burden of guilt and shame anymore because you are forgiven and you are truly free. We're going to go into a ministry time now and I just ask if the ministry team could come forward, please. And the worship team are going to start in just a moment. But what I want to do is invite you to come down the front. Make today the start of a journey. I'm not saying it'll be done and dusted just in the next five minutes. This could be a long thing that you have to walk through. But make today the start of a journey towards healing and freedom. Today might just be the first step, but can I encourage you, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Amen. Amen.